0: Music,
1: movies, Madness! Kia ora everybody, welcome back to another fascinating episode of Music, Movies and Madness. I'm your oh. host Glenn and tonight we've got Ian and Martin and David joining me um, for a look back at 1997. 97, interesting, I've had a lot of time to reflect on this one, I've since made the call to do 97 and, and I've... Reckon this is probably the end of the rock era. Mm. Um I'm gonna call boy it bands. Was it boy? I, band? No. no. Yeah. I I've just I've been thinking about it too. And I knew, haven't really ever thought about this stuff before. So I reckon the rock era was 68 through to 97. Um and I've got some reasons for that, but I think we'll probably explore them maybe a little bit later. Um so yeah, fascinating. Yes, yeah, so many. Really interesting eclectic records came out. We're seeing the end of the um, the Britpop phase. That's sort of disappeared maybe before this. And the rise of sort of more sort of electronic acts. Um, hip-hop getting uh, moving into the next gear. Um, and rock is starting to, well, it's had pretty good run. 68 to 97 is not bad, eh? but it had one or two great albums left in it. But I think this is pretty much the end of where it is, but I could be open. No, no I think that could be, you know, it's, it's an argued point anyway. So let's have a look at back and what we've thought or chosen for albums for 1997. Martin, what have you got?
2: Well, I've gone with the Prodigy, or should I say Prodigy, because they lost the the on this album. and it just
1: I've, I've known bands world. to lose the the. They
2: lost They're
3: the not the that rocky.
1: No, they're not. And this is where it gets really interesting, because I think.
2: (laughs) So often described as dance rock or electronic rock or electro-punk, in fact, they have been known as this before as well. Um, The reason I've chosen this album is I don't think it was necessarily the best album of 1997, but I would say it was the most original album of 1997. And I still think it's, it's an amazing album because nobody nobody sounds like this band. Uh, Then, now, no-one's got close to the kind of sound that they make. Um, So I was going to choose the first track, but I'm not going to. I'm going to go with my next choice, which is a track called Breathe, um, which went to number one uh, in the UK and I believe in the States as well. I should also mention it it was the fastest selling album in the UK ever. Wow, Yep, and it sold over 10 million copies.
1: So these guys obviously had some good vibes going before that to get that level of sales.
2: Yeah, they'd been a, a kind of rave act, but a very much an kind of underground rave act, and they were mm-hmm. kind of much like the Sex Pistols. They were a band that, that you know, authority and like older people generally hated and were kind of a bit scared of um and they just kind of totally played into the band's hands in that respect because that's what they went for they just loved the shock appeal um the videos were always kind of like very kind of disturbing and, and quite graphic and if i
1: uh, remember it's that the band that did smack my bitch up
2: it is and smack my bitch up is one of the songs on this album um, i remember that video yeah Crikey. quite interesting uh, that song uh, obviously got banned everywhere <laughs> um which uh, plays into absolutely. it even more what? absolutely well, how, how can Maybe anyone ban
1: a song yeah it's
2: disgusting
1: yeah.
2: and um yeah it, it was um, a huge hit <laughs> you know as was the album um so this is um uh, what yeah what gets me with it is, is just the production uh so the album produced by by one of the members of the band a guy called liam howlett who who did most of, responsible for most of the composition of the songs um and it's just the way that he breaks down his beats and, and does the sampling and stuff it's just it's just phenomenal and, it, and the power he gets out of out of those samples and stuff so let's have a little listen to the, to the intro to breathe. big beat kind of sound, very much like an underground kind of sound. Mm, mm. And, um, yeah. Um, as I say, like when that single kind of launched, and that was the second track of the album that was released as a single, um, it just kind of exploded. They were huge, huge number ones, um, uh, both, both sides of the Atlantic in the U S and in the UK. Um, yeah. Um, it was also the first, um, Prodigy album to feature Keith Flynn, um, who's the one that everybody remembers, the guy with the spiky mohawk and the nose piercings and, and you know, doing the weird wacky dance kind of thing. Um, but um, yeah, you know, as I say, they'd had a couple of albums before this um, that had produced big hits as well, actually, um, but they were still kind of underground. They'd never kind of broke through. So this was the album absolutely kind of broken through and just smashed it through, actually. Who discovered
3: them? Um, Who discovered them to make that breakthrough?
2: Good question. Don't know. Um, they hmm. were signed to a, a label called XL Recordings. Ah, uh, kind of wow, Right. Tracker,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah uh,
2: Label. Um, and they certainly definitely came up through that rave scene. Um, they're no strangers to kind of talking about, um, you know, uh, controversial issues, drugs and stuff. Um, in fact, one of one, there's a quote here from Liam, and he said, um, he's often quoted as saying that the band are dangerous. And he said, that's not what I said. He said, for this band to survive, it has to be dangerous for us. I wasn't saying we were dangerous just because we're fire starters and have spiky hair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so.
1: and, and what, what sort of tech was it made on? You're, you're our sort of yeah, electronic professor.
2: Oh, do you know what it was? Definitely must have been. I mean, it was obviously computer music. It's very much done on computer. When you listen to the, what again makes makes it kind of unique, I think, is the way that Liam Howlett kind of chops up the beats. If you listen to that beat on Breathe, there, uh, there's no fourth beat. It's like one, two, three, one, two, three. The fourth beat is kind of gone. It's not there. It just stops dead, and it's so unusual to hear that in a dance piece now, rather than just like four beats on the floor, like all the way through. So that kind of thing, the use of sound effects, you know, there's that kind of old like ninja samurai sword uh, uh, thing going on in there and stuff. And and they used to do that and multi-layer it, you know, there, there would be heaps and heaps of layers going on with that. Um, you know, some of the stuff that's kind of sampled on here, Rage Against the Machine is sampled on, on this album, you know. Um, and then like Earth, Wind and Fire, I think, or Casey and the Sunshine Band, one of those kind of groups. Mm-hmm. Was, like, mm-hmm. So they were bringing in samples from every kind of like area in like the, the genres as well. Um, yeah, it, it was a huge album. Um, the songs got used endlessly in like adverts and, and uh, movies and stuff at the time. Um, uh, one of the big ones I still remember was I think it was like the Charlie's Angels movie, movie that came out. For some reason they ended up using like prodigy songs and all the fight scenes, um, which fit perfectly because they, they are that high energy kind of band. Um, so my, sec- my second piece that I'm going to play for you today is, is the big one, is Firestarter. <laughs>
1: Um, yeah, I'm liking, I'm liking that. Twenty years later, that's what the Sex Pistols would have sounded like.
2: There you go. Right. You've got Johnny yeah, Rotten on. Itself, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, very much so. Yeah. Um, Don't
3: throw them bloody fire starters at me.
1: Brilliant, thank you, Michael <laughs> Kane. I'm so stoked that he managed to make it an appearance tonight. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Um, but, you know, you can see that the technology is becoming more accessible for people to get a hold of, and yeah, thus they're creating their own sort of sounds, more electronic instruments, or, you know, the computer opens up the door big time. Um, and this is at the start of the internet sort of um, coming on as well. So, yeah.
2: I mean, yeah. that, that, that style of music the rave scene and stuff was so not in my wheelhouse it wasn't me at all mm, mm. Uh, but that album when i first heard it just instantly thought that's an amazing album love it to death i still do you know i brought it on vinyl not long ago the 25th anniversary one or whatever it was oh um, god it
1: makes us feel old yeah I know.
2: um but um yeah it's just it when you listen to it it just hits you hard it's it's got such an impact that album um and that's yeah fatherland is the album
1: Cool. Thank you, Martin. What have you got for us here? 1997,
2: I
3: was living in England. I'd made the big move to the UK, planning my move to Spain and mad about flamenco music. Uh, I struggled to choose an album because yeah, I didn't really enjoy a lot of it going on in 1997, to be honest. I went through a whole lot of stuff. Um, so I decided to go for our listeners benefit something we've not done a lot of is um i went for a a little band um, that come from a place called kuba and their music sounds like this
0: dos gardenias para ti, con ella quiero decir, te quiero, te adoro, mi vida, ponle todas tu atención, que serán tu corazón,
2: y el... Didn't we on Saturday night? night? <laughs>
3: we didn't but we should have that's the wonderful one and only buena vista social club that, ma- and, that was uh,
1: massive
3: mm. and 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 rightly so because uh yeah the way it all came about is quite an interesting story how they all came about but uh if you've if and yeah so like i say for the listeners if you you know if you're not into that sort of worldy kind of music and you struggle with like oh what should i listen to this maybe cuban or latin or moroccan or something like that well these guys if you want to try a bit of cuban stuff they're pretty mainstream cuban it's traditional music they're really playing um that song there uh what's it called dos gardenias i just love the way they say that it's basically ordering a pizza i think it's a margarita and but yeah you get it no but it's a great way to get into that sort of type of music Mm-hmm. Um, the I mean, the album's self-titled. Mm-hmm.
2: Did you see the
1: movie? No, what? I didn't know they there m- was a movie. No, it's did they both. make a film?
2: It's a movie. Yeah. Um. What's it, What's the
1: been, album from a film, or was yeah, it the other way around?
2: Yeah. The The album is the soundtrack to the
1: movie.
2: Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: No, I need you. it did as an album.
2: It's a documentary. Um, and yeah. it's phenomenal. Like it, one of the best music documentaries I've ever made. I mean, I'll say that. Really. Right now. Yeah, it's absolutely brilliant, um, and it it charts these guys who were like legends in Cuba, back in the day, who are now like you know w- were all close to death or retirement at least, um, and faded. Their stars had faded, and it's a story of basically bringing them all back together to do like one last gig, kind of thing, and bringing them back into kind of fame, and that's mm-hmm. exactly what it did. You know the, the movie j- it just exploded, like you said, and became like this huge hit movie and the soundtrack. Um, but yeah, it, it's a brilliant, brilliant movie. Uh, it's quite What's moving. It? Um, and yeah.
1: What's it filmed yeah. in Cuba?
2: Yeah. Yeah. They, they traveled to Cuba to find these guys. And as I say, so most of them were in like obscurity. like hadn't been heard of in years, decades. Hmm. And it's kind of bringing them all back. And, and as I say, doing this one last show. Fabulous. I think, I think between kind of filming it and it being released, several of them did pass away as well. So it kind of made it even more poignant because they were literally right at the end of their lives, kind of thing. Um, but yeah, it, it's, a, it's phenomenal. Really, really good. Well worth checking out.
1: Gosh, look at that! You learn something every day. Yeah. All right, continue, in.
3: So it's, it's a yeah. I mean, the Buena Vista Social Club is a is a group of Cuban musicians, and they were directed by a guy called Juan de Marcos Gonzalez. And uh, who's a bit of a Cuban sort of a honcho dude in the music world, and also, which makes it quite interesting, is involved uh, with the wonderful Rikuda, who's we all know mm-hmm. who Rikuda is, right? Yeah, incredible yeah, yeah. guitarist songwriter. It was recorded in Havana. Uh, it was recorded over six days, the whole album. Um yeah and there's a whole story of it on wikipedia which martin's just basically run over there and yeah which is great so i can just skip to track two and <laughs> the second song i'm going to play for you now is a, is, is a song called di camino a la vereda
1: oh well done i rolling the ass
0: Wonderful.
1: It, yeah, it is cool stuff. It, it, unfortunately, it, it triggered a memory for me that it, it seems to be the soundtrack that they use at Nando's Chicken places. Quite
3: possibly. Yeah, if, if you haven't now, if you actually make a conscious effort to listen when you get in your next Nando's, it probably will be uh, Dos Cardeñas dos para ti. <laughs> <laughs> How are we supposed to take this seriously really? But uh, yeah, the
2: Buena. So
0: Buen- yeah. <laughs> it's uh mm.
3: it's a wonderful album and uh I think everyone should I think everyone should have some worldly music in their collection. And the uh, Buena Vista Social Club is a good place to start with that. I love that Latin sort of stuff and it's it's tasty it's palatable it's nice to play if you want to learn something like that if you're into your music these guys are really nice sort of two three chordy stuff um and this is the final song i'll give you which is called el cuarto de tula <laughs> so Brilliant. that's the, uh, thank you, Buena Social Club, self-titled album. That's It just makes you want to kind of move a little bit in salsa and, mm, mm. you know, when you're cooking some nice chicken, Mexican chicken. chicken <laughs> bang that on and spice it up a little bit, man. Get Perry, some Perry, Perry all there. the way.
1: Yeah, love yeah. it. I've, nice I've always, I've
4: always found that um, this sort of thing better to experience than listen to. I've always struggled to listen to it. But if you actually mm. hear it live and see them performing, it's completely mm. different, completely different. I've got some what, Bolivian and South American CDs that I bought from buskers on the street and yep. I just get them home and I just think, yeah, I don't think I'll ever yeah. listen to this again. But it was amazing gotta, to watch
3: and perform. You've got to be quite fussy about that sort of stuff for that reason. Mm. Because, um, yeah, a lot of it is visual because it's Mm. cultural, right? Mm. So they move and they have the instruments and they have the percussion. Mm. So it is quite a visual sort of performance, Mm. I think, with that type of music. But the interesting thing about this album was it was recorded in Havana and the studio they recorded it in had never changed the equipment since the 1950s. So So uh, it it has an authentic
1: sound. Yeah, it's a very Ah, raw sound
3: all the way through, which I love, like just what David hit hit the nail on the head there. You can mm. buy stuff. that's not quite there, but yeah, this is great. You crank it on and it's, it sounds like there's a few, you know, the, most of the music they play is, is the traditional sort of guitar, uh, Cuban guitar ensemble uh, music. I can't think of the name of it. It might be three, threebo or something like that. But um, yeah, it's, it's a cracking album. Yeah. Self-titled. Buena Vista social club. Go and check it out.
1: Thanks, bud. That's awesome. We're and thank you for that con. Yeah, nice one. And thanks for that contribution, Didn't Martin I. as well. Well, good teamwork, guys. Good teamwork. Right. <laughs> um. Let's move on to David Chan. Uh, what of. have you got? What What have you got for us?
4: Um. Interesting. Ninety seven. Right. We were talking about the end of rock around there. Um. No coincidence, right? Pro Tools as a self production. Yeah. Um toolset comes out in 99 auto tune comes out in 97 all the sort of pitch correction and i think Ian, you might have done Sheer's um famous mm. album
1: from 99 i think I, it was i remember that one
4: yep. um there's something in there's something in the water there right i think there's too much of a coincidence and all that technology hitting average joe and um and people experimenting, you know, which is great, um, but also not so great. Um, if you if you love rock and roll, um, you have to get went out went went um, went away from mainstream, went indie, went underground, and then bands mm. like this kind of blended it with a new sound. Yeah? yeah, it's
3: funny that Glenn said earlier on that computers opened up so many doors. It's funny because they shut so many as well. They did they did very much both, especially with the rock. And the indie and uh, you know uh, all...
1: uh, maybe maybe rock had taken it as far as it could rubbish. Oh, wow, well, I know that's that's why I said it, it's an arguable fact. But and and that's why these a range of different things. Pop has always been monstrously massive, hmm. and I think there's a lot of pompous sort of pomposity associated with rock reviewers thinking rock is at the top of the echelon of what's good, but really. You know, and I used to probably be one of those people. Um, And in some ways probably still are. Um, But really, it's all crap. Um, Whatever's good. I mean, what is the best album of a year? What a load of rubbish, really, when you think about it. Um, Yeah, and sort of these other genres were sort of looked down on, like electronica and stuff like that. But as Martin said, you know, they came along and smashed the door down with, you know, Fat of the Land and stuff like that. And nothing's really been the same in the rock world. Um, well, there's rock bands, which is cool. They'll keep on going, but they're not the predominant genre like that it used to be. So, what did what did you oh. choose, David? So this is the Verve
4: Pipe. Um, the Verve Pipe. They. not. They often not got confused with band, eh? the band called the Verve. The Verve, yeah. Verve is uh, a British rock band. Verve Pipe, American rock band. Verve Pipe, not quite as successful as the Verve. The Verve had that song, Bittersweet Symphony. That was a massive Mm, hit mm. around about this time. That came out in the same time, wasn't it? Yeah, Yeah, I think so. That sonnet
1: Sonnet was a great song too. Um, Drugs don't work. Drugs don't work. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. I didn't
4: review them because I've had enough (laughs) people reviewing them over the years. This band, the Verve Pipe, um, formed back in 92 uh, by a couple of brothers. Brian and Brad Van Der Ark. Uh, It's a five-piece band. By the time 97 rocks around, Actually, they put this album out in 96, so I cheat a bit, but it basically hits the mark in 97. Big all hits right. in 97. Yep. They pretty much made a selling off one one hit wonder on this album, which is a bit unfair, but it's kind of true. Um, the song's The Freshman. You probably all heard it. to radio tune. I'll play it shortly. Actually, an acoustic hit song that they dug out from 1992 um, and re-recorded um, as a rock tune. This band does... A bit of grunge with a bit of pop with a bit of soul but it's, got, it's grounded in that grunge and you can hear it on the guitars and the and the um, effects right so I'll put on um, before I go to the Freshman which is their big hit I'll put on my favourite tune from the album which is a song called Real it's only a minute 53 I'm going to play the first probably 30 seconds of it um, I just love the melody in this thing I think it's a little bit unusual
0: My sister had a nursery rhyme, She'd and let me play with them i set them up in different scenes And 50 plastic army man. Led by Superman Destroy the race of Mother Goose Mariana little lamb Slips away and catches Sister getting real and I can't too As long as I don't make a sound
4: So that song's called Real. It's very British, I find, the way it sort of opens up there and even his accent sounds a little bit...
0: Yeah,
1: I I initially thought it sounded a little bit like Manic Street Preachers.
4: Mm, Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: Um, I used to be in a band called North Corner and it sounded exactly like that.
1: Yeah?
4: Mm. Yeah, they... They um, I mean, the, 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 he's a, he's an amazing lyric writer. So that song opens up with my sister had a nursery rhyme set of figurines. She'd often let me play with them. I'd set them up in different scenes. Fifty plastic army men, led by Superman, destroyed the ranks of Mother Goose, Mary, and her little lamb slips away and catches sister getting real, and I can too as long as I don't make a sound. It's brilliant. I mean, it's brilliant right you know what's going on there right so he's mm. his, old, his older sister's getting some right and he's like i could do that too as long as i'm just quiet about it you know and yeah just yeah really clever um totally underrated this album and that's why i've reviewed it uh everyone knows the big hit um the freshman various versions of it the album version as well as the single version this is my favorite this is him playing live he has one of those voices that gets better with age right You'll know the song. He's probably about 50 now, I think, looking when this was recorded. So, yep, seven years ago. Um, it just sounds so much better. And I'm picking it up from my favorite part, which is sort of around three quarters of the way through. He does a little bit, diff- uh, a little bit different thing on the um, the third pre-chorus. Yeah, I'm geeking out over the song, but he goes up an octave. And it just sounds great. See what you think.
0: Tried to wash our hands of all of this. and. We never talk of our lack in relationships How we're guilt-stricken, sobbing With our heads on the floor We fell through the ice When we tried not to slip, we'd say We can't be held responsible She was touching her face I won't be held responsible she fell in love in the first place for the life of me i cannot remember what made us think that we were wise and we never compromised for the life of me
4: yeah he really that, that when he says first place the note he hits on place is is upwards it's an octave up whereas in the album and every other tune every time you hear it he, he takes it down um and it just Fuck, it's great, he's an amazing voice. This guy, um, I've never even heard of that. Really, no, so this is a song. Have you guys remember, heard of it? I,
1: re- I, re- I have, re- I do remember it.
4: Yeah, no, this was this was it. Went to number one. It was acoustic,
3: was it an acoustic No. no hit? It was a rock, ah, rock
4: song, um, right I, originally an acoustic. So, yeah, in 92, he wrote it as an acoustic and then he re recorded it for this album in 96 for, as a rock um song. A song yep. about uh, a song about. Um, love triangle two guys and a girl she gets pregnant to so one of them has Oops. an abortion does it tough does drugs kills herself and um, pretty dark and 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 it's everything's true about that except she doesn't kill herself so he he in 92 or 91 92 he he's like sitting there going i want to write the most depressing song i can possibly think of damn and he does and, and he goes, right, okay, so I've had this happen, a life experience, right? Okay, what can make it worse she kills herself? So the life triangle and the abortion is all real, oh. but the part where she self-harms, he just takes it that bit further,
1: and that's fictitious.
4: Check it out, Villains by The Verve Pipe.
1: Right. Um, thanks, David. Um, the Verve Pipe. Yeah, I remember this song, The Freshman, but I didn't know much about the rest of it. Um I've picked possibly what the critics regarded as the greatest album of that year and then pompously went on to think it was possibly the greatest album of all time, which we all know is not correct. It's either one of the most or very, it's a very, very good album or it's one of the most overrated albums of all time as well. So I've picked OK Computer by Radiohead. Oh, um, that's
3: the greatest album of all time.
1: Oh, apparently, well, some people thought it was even at the time. Um, I don't think there is such a thing as the greatest album of all time, no, of and and, and you know, we've got our favorite albums ourselves, but there's no such thing as the greatest. Um, anyway, I chose this record because I was completely smitten with it back in '97, in '98, and I haven't heard it for about 10 years. Um, so it was a good chance to dust it off and have a listen and I've found it to be remarkable. Um, Yeah, loved it to bits. And so I thought, yeah, let's have a listen. Ten years, um, I haven't heard it yet. Um, I found it to be quite a remarkable record, actually, and that sort of led me to thinking, well, the amount of praise this thing got, it did seem like potentially it was, you know, a lot of those music writers going, oh, wow, rock's back, or it's still here, even though Radiohead had probably... By the time they'd recorded it, almost moved on to something else completely. Um, now Radiohead were a band from, oh gosh, I want to say Oxford, Oxford in the UK. Um, and they were a guitar, noisy guitar band, came through, had a big hit with a thing called Creep, and just kept on making really good songs, really good album called The Benz. Um, But when it came to, and to it, to it, to it, to it, and it, I think it drove them all insane and nuts. Um, been on the road all the time. So when it came to make a follow-up to this record, the Benz, they said, oh, look, Tom said, I'm not going to do any more introvert, introverted sort of songs about, you know, me, us, stuff. I want to do something that's a bit different. Um, so ended up, right, they started writing songs about, um, I don't know, what they'd seen on the world, world around them when they were travelling, um, and a lot of the sort of the feelings of, oh, um strange stuff that they've sort of experienced. So really, there was a lot of stuff in there around rampant consumerism, social alienation, that sort of emotional isolation, and even sort of that political malaise. And funny enough, it sort of became the theme of the 21st century in a lot of ways, and the sort of the age of anxiety is sort of kicking in. And that's what the album's got. It's got this edgy nervousness all the way through Um Um, So I'll play a song that sort of sums all of that up, and it's called Paranoid Android. And it's a long song. This was the lead single from the album, and it's nearly seven minutes long, um, and sort of really threw everybody off. Um, And it's kind of like the Bohemian Rhapsody of the 90s in some ways, because it's got all those different parts to it, um, which makes it a really fun listen. Um, So that was the beginning part of it. Got another part coming up. and breaks it down into a slow part of the song. Before ending back with that rocking out ending as well. paranoid android um and that sort of really sort of sums up the entire sort of record um beautifully produced by um radiohead themselves and nigel godrich who's gone on to become a a bit of a super producer and worked with um, paul mccartney and a whole bunch of other artists um yeah, it, some say that this was the the beginning and end of Radiohead. Um it was the end of the rocking out Radiohead and the beginning of the more electronic Radiohead that we get into night uh, and the 2000s and really sort of set they never sounded like that ever again. Um and some say that's good, some say that's bad, but it is what it is. Um I do think this album is truly remarkable. Um just Listening to it, it's not an easy listen. It's still a challenging listen. Um, Musically, it's all over the show. So many influences from all their favorite artists. They were trying to replicate sounds um, from their favorite records um, and succeeded in twisting them into their own sort of thing, which I thought was pretty cool. Who Um, is
3: Radiohead's influences?
1: Well, in this record they had, uh, there was the Beatles from the White Album. Uh, They were um, "Witches Brew by Miles Davis. Mm -hmm. Um, There was a little bit of Pink Floyd in there, but not huge amounts. Um, Although they, because of the album's subject matter, they got compared to them a lot. And they certainly said that they were not a prog rock band. In fact, they just make pop songs. Um, But these aren't really sort of pop songs and in the, in the conventional sense, but i um, oh, funny. My yeah. son's
3: just turned 20 and that album was one of his favorite albums.
1: Yeah. And I think, Still. yeah, lis- yeah. Listening to it now, I think the things that it's talking about, um, you know, much like the dark side of the moon sort of stuff we've talked on mm. in the past are those sort of feelings of anxiety and angst that, we have and i think it's got worse in the 21st century so this was all in 97 before the internet age and in fact the title of the album is called okay computer and how many times we go hey siri or hey alexa um we are surrounded by it um and it, and, in my house
3: sort of... never <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> There's oh, the answer. hello hello teapot um yeah, and I, I just think it's an, it's remarkable. Um, yeah, I can hear some people's criticisms. Yeah, it's whiny, um, and that's true in many, possibly, but, you know, Tom York's got a unique voice. It was the first album that he was super proud of, um, and that says a lot. Obviously, the mm. horrible perfectionists, which is not good for mental health, and I think it shows on the record as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, truly, I think it's remarkable, and really diverse and dense um i'd love to actually hear it on some a really awesome guess you know, like we did with the dark side album um so i might have to give old Soundline a call and say hey do you mind if i come and have a listen well i hope everyone's enjoyed looking back at some um, interesting um, albums from 97 we had a bit of diversity here tonight which has been really cool all right so let's end this have a good time listening to all those 97 records everyone um and we'll see you guys um, for another fun episode of music movies and madness another time
0: when i was young i knew everything she a punk who ever took advice now I'm guilt stricken sobbing with my head on the floor. Stopping baby's breath and a shoe full of rice. No Can't be held responsible. Cause she was touching her face. I won't be held responsible. She fell in love first place for the love of me i cannot remember what made us think that we were wise and we never compromised for the life of me i cannot believe we'd ever die for these sins we were merely freshmen